when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, please lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now suppose one of your fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Most of us are familiar with Ted Turner. Uh, He is a multi-billionaire cable television executive, and and he was uh, uh, speaking at a... uh, American Humanist Association banquet. He was getting some kind of an award for being this great humanitarian. And as he's given his acceptance speech uh, for this award, he starts criticizing Christianity. And uh, here's what he says. He says, Jesus would be sick to his stomach over the way his ideas have been twisted. And he goes on to say, um, I've been saved seven or eight times, but I gave it up. When, despite my prayers, my sister died. Now, I think most of us would agree that Mr. Turner is just a little bit confused uh, about salvation. Uh, but unfortunately, I, I do believe that uh, he, his, he does reflect some of the attitudes that some of us have concerning God and prayer. Most people will pray about something for a while, and when the answer doesn't come, when they think it should, or how they think it should, they throw up their hands in defeat and says, what's the use? Many of us wouldn't admit it today necessarily, but if we were completely honest with ourselves, I think we would all have to admit that at some point, at some time, we have all thought, am I just talking to myself here? Uh, what is the point of me asking this for this thing over and over again? Or possibly, is, is God even listening to me? We pray for healing for a family member, and cancer still ravages their body. We pray for deliverance from, from someone or something, and it, and it doesn't come. We pray about our finances, our jobs, different situations and issues, and nothing happens. So what are we to think of Jesus' words then? Are they true? I've asked, and it wasn't given. I've sought And I didn't find, I knocked, and sometimes I wonder, is God even home? What are we to think of Jesus' words? And if they are true, then what am I doing wrong? Why aren't my prayers being heard or answered? See, I think we have all had some questions at some point in time about prayer, right? I mean, we all know it's good, we know it's a command, we know it's something that I should be doing. But I think we've all struggled at times with prayer. 
Now, before I get too deep into the, this discussion, I, I, I do want to clarify a few things, maybe a few misconceptions that we have about prayer. First of all, uh, we don't pray to impress God. I want to make that clear. I mean, there's nothing that I can say, there's nothing that I can do that's going to impress God. Believe me, He has seen it all, He's heard it all. I don't pray to impress. And I don't pray to earn anything from God. I'm not earning anything. He's not giving me an attaboy uh, when, I, when I say the right words or do the right things. I don't get bonus points uh, for praying longer or more fervently. And I don't get into His good graces simply by praying. I don't earn anything. And I'm not informing Him of anything when I, when I pray. Remember, God is all-knowing. Past, present, future. He doesn't, there's nothing that I can say that he does not already know. So I don't inform him of anything, which kind of begs the question, why pray anyway? If he knows it all anyway, why should I ask? Why pray for things in the first place? That's a good question. And one that I hope we can somewhat address today. But I do want to clear up that I'm not going to answer all the questions about prayer today. There's, just, there's so many good reasons and beneficial reasons why we pray uh, which is why we're going to take a month to kind of to work our way through this. Uh, but for the sake of time, and, and uh, uh, I, d- I just want to highlight one thing, one reason why uh, we should pray. And I won't say it's the most important reason, but I will say that it is absolutely vital. It is one of the cornerstones of why we pray, and it is this. When we pray, when we communicate with God, uh, we invite Him into our lives. Uh, now, please hear me when I say this, because this is, this is huge. Uh, God created us with free will, right? I mean, he, he gave us the, the options to choose what we do, when we do, uh, and how we do it. And we also get to choose with whom we do it with, right? I mean, uh, uh, the, the mundane tasks of life, I get to choose who I do those things with. And I also get to choose when I do the intimate things, the personal things. I get to choose who I share those with and who I do those things with. We make those decisions all the time, every day. I make the decision who I'm going to share my intimate moments with. You did that this morning. You're doing it now. Uh, you, you chose to be here instead of somewhere else, to choose to be here. And when I pray, when I speak to and I listen to my Heavenly Father, we are telling God, God, I choose you. I choose you, I invite you into my life, and I want, to do, want you to be actively present and involved in what I do. And here's why that is so critical. It is so critical to our prayer lives. Through this relationship of prayer, uh, by inviting him into our lives uh, in this intimate way, that we grow to understand him more, to understand what he's about, about as a father. And as I grow in understanding him more, as my, that relationship grows, I will become more dependent upon him. Let me illustrate this. How many of you have a cell phone? Raise your hand. How many of you have a cell phone? The vast majority will have a cell phone, right? I mean, it's more uncommon not to have a cell phone than to have one. Uh, I was uh, I mentioned this in the first service. I, when I was writing this, I, I thought back to the first cell phone I ever purchased. Uh, we were back in Waynesville, Missouri. It was about 23 years ago. And, uh, and I bought my wife, I, she was pregnant with her second child, I was gone a lot, and I thought she needs a way to communicate if something would happen with her uh, traveling, so I got her this cell phone. Beautiful. 
I, mean, we, I, I really thought, man, I am, I'm on the cutting edge. We are moving on up, you know. Jefferson's, uh, they, they had nothing on me. And so, uh, so I get her this cell phone. It was a bag phone. It was black bag phones, you know. And it, Yeah, you guys remember that, right? And it plugged it into a cigarette lighter. Yes, our cars had cigarette lighters back then. And, uh, and it was awesome. You know, it was this great, great phone. And, and it had th- our, our plan, our cell phone plan had 30 minutes of talk time. No, no texting. Texting wasn't invented yet. Uh, 30 minutes of, of, of talk time, which, by the way, we never come close to using because, really, who needs a phone in their car, right? Uh, but, uh, uh, so I, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, <laughs> so, so, the cell phone, I mean, it's, it's powerful, is it not? I mean, it, it is more power. This little gadget right here is more powerful today than, than my home computer, my big old box computer was six or eight years ago. I mean, it is powerful. And, and the more I use it, the more I understand what it's capable of, the more dependent I become on it. I mean, if, if I would ask you today to, to put away your cell phones for a week or a month, you're going, oh my gosh, no. I mean, there's no way, right? We have become so dependent on this little gadget because we have understood what it's capable of. And it's the same way with Jesus. I mean, we... we, uh, we the, the more we get to know Jesus, the more we understand uh, who he is and what he's capable of. And the more that we, that we understand it, the more dependent we become on him. Now, now being dependent on this thing, not a good thing. Be, being dependent on God, eh, there's not much more important than that. Um, I believe that that, that that dependence on God is, is what opens up our prayer lives in a whole new way. A.W. Tozer said this, the man who would know God must spend time with him. True prayer demands more of our lives than most are willing to give. And therefore, few ever taste of its power and delights. You need to be radical in your prayer life. And I truly believe this, that there are no truer words ever spoken by a human being. Most of us are just flat, unwilling to live a radical prayer life. One that puts a desire to know God above anything else. Not asking for things, but just that desire, that deep, inviting desire that I want to know my God and my Savior. Because of this, very few of us uh, ever taste of its power and delight. So if a radical prayer life is based upon uh, getting to know God, and becoming more dependent on him, and not really about asking for things, then the question that needs to ask is, why the persistent prayer? Why continue to make the same request over and over again? If we know that God knows the question before it even leaves my lips, then, and, my, and, and, the, and the, the primary purpose of prayer is just to getting to know him and become more dependent on him, then why does he want me to ask the same question, the same, make the same request for the same things over and over. In a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, please give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, Yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. 
Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Faith. Hmm. Maybe Jesus is giving us a little hint here. You know, people, people have a lot of faith in a lot of different things. I mean, when we go out to start our cars, we put the key in the ignition, and we have faith it's going to start, right? I mean, we have faith in, in uh, the, the electricity. When we flip the light, that lights are going to come on. Uh, we have faith in, in the thermostat when we adjust. So we put faith in, in uh, our democracy, in our judicial system. We have faith in, in other people. I mean, we go uh, to Ralph and have him cut us open because we have faith in his abilities. We have faith that, that it is going to be better afterwards, right? And we have, a lot of us have faith in ourselves. I mean, we have, we have uh, this, this tremendous faith in ourselves. Did you know Michael Jordan was cut uh, from his high school basketball team because he wasn't good enough? But he had faith in himself, and he kept after it. Uh, Walt Disney... Walt Disney goes bankrupt uh, after several failed businesses. He was even fired. Walt Disney was fired from a newspaper for being unimaginative. But he had faith in himself. And he had faith in his ideas. Dr. Seuss, uh, his first book was rejected 27 times before it was published. Anybody ever heard of Jack London? Wrote Call of the Wild. Those of you who are a little older uh, might remember that. His first book was rejected 600 times before it was published. I mean, who continues to submit a book 600 times? Someone who has a faith in themselves and in their abilities. We have faith in a lot of different things. But what about our prayer life? We have faith in our prayers and God's ability to answer those prayers. Or do we give up too easily? Do we put a timetable on our requests and prayers before God? Does our faith fizzle after a few days not seeing the results that we've asked for? Is it plagued by doubts and worry and fear? Do we expect, I mean truly expect, that God is going to hear and respond to our prayers? Or do we think God has turned a deaf ear to us? Is our prayer a few seconds or a few minutes of, of weak, unfocused uh, words with, with little trust uh, or faith? Or worse yet, is our prayer life just another box to check off? Yeah, prayed today. What would our life be like if we were persistent and unwavering in our, in our life? And we had absolute confidence in our faithful God to accomplish what we ask. What if we had gotten to know God to the point of being totally dependent on Him and we truly believed every word in Scripture? Eric Ludy says this, Prayer is not some BB gun that God has given us to try to shoo raccoons in the night. Prayer is nuclear power, world renovating in its epic strength. When used according to the pattern of Scripture, prayer alters history. It alters the natural world and alters the human soul. James chapter 5, verse 13, James writes this, Is any of you suffering? He should pray. 
Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to, to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power to prevail. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth yielded its crops. Prayer heals the sick. Prayer alters weather. And prayer requires an unyielding faith and belief in our Creator who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. But... What if it doesn't heal your sick? What if it doesn't change your weather? As I mentioned earlier, what if we pray for healing for a family member and they still die? What if we pray for deliverance and it doesn't come? What if we pray for this or that, whatever it is, and it just never happens? What are we to think of Jesus' words at that time? Did I not pray enough? Believe enough? trust enough? Was I not persistent enough in my prayers? And all those things might be true, but the reality is, and this might be hard for some of us to come to grips with, sometimes God will answer no to our desperate prayers. But I want you to hear this. Please hear this. Those no's or those unexpected outcomes must not dishearten us. If you hear nothing else this morning, please hear this. We cannot know what God knows. And we cannot see what God sees. And if we have that undying faith to be persistent in our prayers, then that same faith will carry us when the outcomes of those prayers isn't what we ask or hope for. We cannot have one without the other. They go hand in hand. If I have faith and trust in God that He will answer my prayers then it's that same faith and trust in God's ability, God's goodness, and God's sovereignty that will sustain me when the answer is no or not now. I mean, we can trust that God is still in control, still on the throne, and He still wants us to cry out to Him and bring our every need to Him as He answers yes or no according to His character and will. And while receiving a yes might make us happy, God never promised us happiness. Happiness is typically based on circumstances, and God doesn't really care about the circumstance or the happiness of our lives. He wants us to have that unabiding joy that is not based on circumstances, especially when He responds, "No," or "No, it will be done in my time, not your time," or "No, I will reveal my glory through this circumstance, in spite of the situation." Kelly and I took a, a little vacation. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, and one of the things that I started praying about as soon as we booked this vacation back March two, uh, uh, a year ago was that we would be healthy, uh, that there would be nothing that would prevent us to go. And, uh, and I had prayed uh, almost daily about that uh, for the last year, that, that we would be healthy and there would be, our family would stay healthy, there would be no, nothing serious that would come up that would prevent us from from going on this trip. It was our 30th anniversary, and obviously I wanted us to be uh, healthy and feeling good when we went. 
So uh, we were leaving on Friday at noon, Thursday night, get a scratchy throat. Friday morning I wake up, still scratchy, but I'm thinking it's allergies. It's bad allergy season because of the the mild winter and uh, no big deal, just allergies. Friday night, traveling down there, it's getting a little worse. Saturday morning I wake up, this is not allergies. It is a full-blown cold flu, and if you have had that, you know how miserable it is. And I stopped at the drugstore and got some, uh, a bunch of different cold medicines, hoping to help. And if you, again, if you've had this, you know cold medicines do nothing to this. So there we are, getting on the ship, and I am sick. My question, how did God answer my prayers over the last year? Did he give me good health? He absolutely did. Because he did not give me anything or allow anything serious to happen to me. Nothing. It was a cold. I mean, my family was healthy. Kelly and I were healthy. We went on the ship. It was no problem at all. Now, it wasn't answered the way I anticipated it to be answered, but it was most definitely answered. And on top of that, as a bonus, he reinforced a valuable lesson that he has been teaching me over the past few years, that my health does not affect my happiness and my joy. We had a wonderful time, and I wouldn't change a thing. Tuesday evening, uh, February 28th, was our anniversary. And I'm praying uh, as, as we're going to bed. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just thanking God what a wonderful day we had. And, uh, and I'm, I'm just so thankful that um, we were able to, to do all we were able to do. And, and just thanking for, just, just continually thanking him. And I woke up Wednesday morning, um, absolutely no symptoms of cold. Completely gone. Now, was he waiting for me to verbalize that, uh, how thankful I was and that I had learned the lesson that he was teaching me? I, I don't know. Uh, only God knows. And I, I understand this is a very, very minor thing. But maybe God's teaching me uh, in this small scale something that I'm going to need in a bigger scale later on. Again, only God knows, but I knew know this, that he is worthy of my trust when I don't know and I don't understand. Luke chapter 22, verses 41 through 44, Jesus is agonizing over his, uh, the events that's leading up to his death. He's in the garden, he's praying, he's fervently praying that, that God take this cup from me. But his greatest desire was to give preeminence to God's will, not his suffering and pain. Believe me, he knew exactly what was coming. He knew what the next few days were going to uh, be like, and he was not looking forward to it. But his prayers recorded for us for a reason in Scripture shows that God says no even to his son. But the thing that I want to take from this is not the no, but the yes. You see... It was a no to Jesus, but it was an emphatic yes to you and I. You see, when we pray without ceasing, God always responds. And every answer brings joy when and only when we see it through the eyes of faith. It demands faith. And without that faith, what we might see is empty promises. Roger was hitchhiking his way home. 
on May 7th. His heavy suitcase exhausted him. He was anxious to get home and take his army uniform off once and for all. So he's flashing his hitchhiking sign and, and this big, beautiful black Cadillac drives up and his heart sinks. Oh, nobody like that's going to pick up somebody like me. But he was surprised to see the, the car pull over to the shoulder and the, the passenger's side door open. And so he, he hustles up with his suitcase, throws it in the back seat and, and uh, jumps in the front. And the gentleman says, uh, are you going home, son? He said, yeah. Uh, I am. Uh, for good? Yes, yes. He said, well, if you're going to Chicago, you are in luck. And, and, uh, and uh, Roger says, well, I'm not going all the way to Chicago, but almost there. Uh, so this is perfect. And uh, the guy says, uh, uh, Roger says, so you, you live in Chicago? You have a, uh, uh, a residence there? And he says, yeah, matter of fact, I do. That's where my business is. Uh, my name is Mr. Hanover. So they talk for a while, kind of get to know each other. And Roger starts to feel this burden that he needs to share the gospel with, with this man, Mr. Hanover. And, uh, but he keeps kind of pushing it down. Ah, I'm, I, don't, I don't know that I should. And so they go on, they talk, and he realizes about 30 minutes from his home, it's, it's now or never. I need to do this. And so he, he swallows hard, clears his throat, and he says, Mr. Hanover, I would like to talk to you something that's, that's very important on my heart. And he proceeds to tell him about Jesus, just the way of salvation, and, and, um, and ask, you know, if, if Mr. Hanover is a Christian, and, 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 uh, and if not, uh, you know, do you feel compelled to, to, to do anything? And, and Mr. Hanover pulls the car over, and Roger's thinking, oh my gosh, I've ticked him off, he's going to kick me out. Uh, instead, when he pulls the car over, uh, Mr. Hanover just starts weeping and uh, just starts crying out to God saying, I, I, I've, I've been wrong all these years and I'm so sorry. And uh, just repents of, of so many things and Roger's just kind of sitting there like not knowing what to do, you know, and here's this guy just crying out to God and just saying, I, I'm so sorry and I, I want you to be the Lord of my life and I want you to lead me. And uh, flash forward five years. Uh, Roger's married, uh, has, a, has a business of his own, uh, schedules a business meeting in Chicago. He gets his suitcase out uh, to pack, and he finds the business card that Mr. Hanover had given him. And he says, you know, I, I should look this guy up. So he, he looks up in Chicago, Hanover Enterprises. He goes to the, to the office building and says, uh, I, I would like to speak with Mr. Hanover if I could. And the receptionist says, I, I'm sorry, that's not possible. But Mrs. Hanover's here. You, could, you can speak with, with her if she's available. And she says, well, that would be great. So she, he goes, uh, goes in, and Mrs. Hanover's sitting in this beautiful office and, and uh, says, so, so you knew my husband, huh? He says, yeah, yeah. He actually picks me up hitchhiking and kind of relates the story to him and says, I'm curious, when was that? He says, well, I know exactly what day it was. It was May 7th, five years ago, because it was when I was discharged from the Army. And... Uh, Mrs. Hanover said, did anything special happen on that day? And again, Roger's just like, should I tell him, tell her what happened? And says, yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I, I told, told him about the gospel. And uh, he pulled over to the side of the road, just bawling his eyes out, and sat there on the side of the road and just 
cried out to God. And it was, said it was something I, I'd never really witnessed before. And it was just amazing uh, to me. And uh, Mrs. Hanover just starts bawling. And uh, he said, you know, or she said, you know, uh, I had prayed for years, years and years that's, that, uh, that somebody would, would uh, share the gospel with him other than me. And, and, uh, and I really believed that God would, would answer those prayers. And uh, Roger said, well, where is, where is he now? Well, he, he died. See, he was in a, in a car wreck right after he let you out. He didn't even make it home that day. And she, she goes on to say, you know, I stopped living for God five years ago because I didn't think God answered my prayer. And I think we can learn so much from that story. And we can learn, uh, first and foremost, that when God puts the idea in your heart to share the gospel, share the gospel. Because it might be the only chance that person has. But I, we can also uh, learn that uh, God is faithful. God is faithful to His Word. But here's the thing that I want us to get from that, is that we should not have to hear the end story to believe God is faithful to His Word. So we don't always hear the outcomes of our persistent prayers. But we need to keep praying anyway. We don't always see the evidence of our prayers, but we keep praying anyway. Many times we don't get to witness the end story. But our God is faithful. Our God is trustworthy. And our God is capable, capable of doing more than we ask or imagine. Ian Bounds says this, Our praying needs to be pressed and pursued with an energy that never tires, a persistency which will not be denied, and a courage that never fails. I'm going to read that again, and I want you to just listen to those words. Our praying needs to be pressed and pursued with an energy that never tires, a persistency that which, which will not be denied, and a courage that never fails. Does that sound like your prayer life? If not, maybe it's time to get to know your God. Maybe it's time to choose Him again, to seek after Him with a persistence that will not be denied. Because when that happens, when you seek after God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, that is when your prayer life will open up and become exactly what God wants it to be. Because when you seek Him, I promise you, you will find Him. Let's pray together. Father, so many times we have uh, fallen short in our efforts to uh, become dependent upon You because it has been based on our efforts. Help us to depend on You. Depend on Your Spirit to lead us and to guide us and to move us. And Father, I ask You uh, for all of us who have wavered in our faith, wavered in our belief that You are trustworthy, that Your Word is true. Help us, Father, in our unbelief. That You will send people in our paths to encourage us and to guide us. And help us to 
follow your spirit and your leading. Father, we are so unworthy, but at the same time so thankful that you love us like you do. Help us to choose you each and every day of our lives. And I pray this in your son's perfect and holy name.